As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. This week on Buckets, Boards, and Blocks, we are in week four of our new era. We have a very special guest who's a former classmate of my partner. Uh, But first, Darlene, let's run it. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Monica McNutt and King McClure is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Monica is a former Georgetown Hoyer who likes nothing better than a three in transition and thinks DC ballers are the smartest. King is a former three and D Baylor baller whose idea of a good time is locking down the other team's best scorer. Monica, King, let's do this. Our guest today is Lauren Cox of the Indiana Fever. Lauren was the third overall pick in the 2020 WNBA draft. She was the Big 12 Player of the Year in the 2020 season, and along with her sister Whitney, who plays for the Division II Lubbock Christian Squad, won the Pat Summit Most Courageous Award for their basketball and community involvement. Since the 2020, I don't know what I'm talking about, NCAA tournament was canceled. Due to COVID-19, her Baylor Lady Bears are still, emphasis on the still, (laughs) <laughs> reigning NCAA champions and have won it all in 2019. Welcome, my friend, Lauren Cox. Let's get it started. Let's do it. Thanks for having me on. All I was going to say is that King is especially thrilled to have his fellow Bears on the show. <laughs> um, but a lot has happened, obviously, since you guys won that title. I'm always curious to hear your perspective when you got the news that the NCAA tournament was canceled because I mean you guys were poised to defend that title yeah I mean I was heartbroken um and that's kind of an understatement I mean we were on the runway about to take off and go to the Big 12 tournament in Kansas City and Coach Mulkey got that call and we waited out there for about 30 minutes because they were having a meeting and then uh, we found out that that tournament was canceled and we all went home that weekend thinking we were just going to be home for the weekend. We were going to come back on Monday, get ready for the NCAA tournament. And then I drove home about an hour and 45 minutes. And then an hour after being home, I got the call that the whole thing was canceled. And I was really emotional at first because I played in my last college game without even knowing it. Mm. So I have a question for you. So before this year, the previous year, when Baylor won national championship, just have to continuously throw that out there. How did that feel? Because I've never made it past the Sweet 16. Monica, what's the furthest you've ever been? Sweet 16? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, okay. Cool. So how does it feel to win a national championship? It was a dream come true. Um, I That's one of the reasons I picked Baylor. I wanted to win championships, not just conference championships. I wanted to win a national championship. So that was a dream come true for me. And, Looking back on it, like sometimes it doesn't even feel real. Like, like I look at it, I'm like, oh my god, we we did that. We actually won. I have that ring. We our names are up there. Our team is up there. Um, so it was an unbelievable experience. 
I just, I, that, I was there for that one. You, I mean, you guys, y'all were just so dominant. And Lauren, honestly, like, I think watching you kind of grow and develop over the course of your career has been super dope too. But so that brings me to this question. Who would you say you have patterned your game after? Um, I really like watching Elena Deladon. Um, I just like how she can just score with ease at any position. You know, she can shoot the three, she can go inside, make post moves, um, and she just makes it look so easy. So I really love watching her play. So watching you play, I noticed you, you, you're really a monster on the defensive side. <laughs> what do you attribute that to? Uh, when I was younger, I wasn't very skilled, but I was super aggressive. <laughs> um, so this was in like middle school, probably seventh or eighth grade. Um, I wasn't very skilled yet, just really aggressive, just wanted to get, get out there and have fun. So I took defense personally. When I blocked a shot, it was, it felt really good. And I liked that and got my team hype and everything. So, um, <laughs> It's probably a little bit of that, and I played volleyball in high school, so I think having yeah. that experience helps me block shots and helps me helps with my timing. Man, I remember every time I used to watch the games play, watch y'all's games, and you would block a shot, you would start talking immediately. <laughs> <laughs> and I, me on the sideline, I used to get so hyped every time you did that because, I don't know, I just like that for some reason. I used to love it. That was like my favorite party again. You would always start talking trash after you blocked the shot or like wave your finger in the air. I love it. You got to let them know. <laughs> oh, yes. Swag. Come on, energy. All right. So, look, Lauren, you go from a Big 12 player of the year, national champion, um, very assertive, well-established. And not that you still won't be insert- assertive, but now you take a step to the next level. And naturally, there is a learning curve. Mm-hmm. Um, as you begin your rookie year, what are you most excited about achieving your dream of becoming a pro? I think the main thing is just kind of seeing where I'm at, you know. Um, unfortunately, our season has been pushed back, um, but luckily we're still having one. So I'm just excited to start playing and learn from all the vets, um, just kind of see where I am and play against the best of the best. Monica, Lauren, you're going to have to help me on the, the women's side of the game because I'm so familiar with the men's side of the game. Like Monica said, what's the biggest learning curve you think? Like, What's the biggest jump from college to the WNBA? Like, what's, the, what's the biggest difference in your opinion? Um, I think it's just like the speed and physicality of the game. Um, I know a lot of people mm-hmm. say that when they go from high school to college, but I think it's even more like that when you go from college to the pros, you know, you're playing against grown women that have played in the league for however many years. So they know what the game's about. They're a lot stronger than you. They're faster than you. They could know more than you. So um, that's definitely going to be a challenge. Yeah. I mean, I I definitely anticipate you rising to the occasion, Um, but I want to go back to the draft because the W draft was the first pro draft in this crazy year. You guys were the first to go virtual. Um, talk to me a little bit about, a little bit about preparing for that. It was a lot of fun, but a little stressful, you know, just trying to get everything set up, get the camera, the microphones, all that. Um, 
I'd get some lights. Um, but it was a really fun experience just being at home with my family, getting ready with my sisters, you know, doing our hair, makeup, that kind of thing, getting dressed up. So uh, we definitely made the most of the experience and had a lot of fun with it. Um, on that Man, note, Lauren, you guys are in such a unique position because I, so I graduated in 2011. I'm older than y'all. Great. Um, but I remember following the WNBA avidly, but it wasn't quite as much. And it's not, not that it's mainstream yet, but it definitely didn't receive the publicity and the attention on the women's game that we're seeing now. Um, when do you think things have changed as you look at the arc of your entire time playing basketball? Do you remember a moment being like, wow, like the women's game is really starting to get elevated? Yeah, I think the last couple of years it's really started to come up and people are starting to watch more games, um, just follow certain players, that kind of thing. And um, that's on everybody. I mean, everyone's doing their part from our league to – the guys in the NBA that are advocating for women's sports to even like the women's soccer team that fights for equality, you know, it's, it's everybody. With this year's team last year, the Fever were 13 and 21, but this year they come back with you, uh, two other great players, two other young players, and you're overall a young team. What can we expect out of the Fever this year? Um, I think we're going to surprise a lot of people. Um, I think we have a lot of talent, and, um, yeah, their record may not have been the best last year, but there's a lot of talent on that team. They had some injuries last year. Um, certain players are back, and um, I think we're going to get out and run on people. We're going to have a really good transition game. Um, we have me and Tierra McGowan inside, two big post players, and then um, some other vets to help us inside. So, I think we're definitely going to surprise some people, and I'm excited to get started. So let's talk a little bit about Elena Deladon. What What is your opinion on that? Um, I mean, I kind of feel for her just because um, of her underlying condition. I have type 1 diabetes, um, so we're both kind of in the same situation. So, um, I mean, I feel, I feel bad that she didn't get that um, medical waiver that um, – that she could opt out of the season, and um, it's tough that she has to choose between being paid or putting her life on the line coming into the bubble. Um, so I definitely feel for her, but um, she's going to make the best decision for her in the end, and I'm going to respect that. Um, I thought the Mystics did a made, – they made the right move. Mike Tebow and the company uh, taking care of her, I thought that was a big-time move. Um, mm -hmm. All right, so, but Lauren, here's – that's then the elephant in the room. Because last week on the pod – King and I had this discussion about whether or not we would play. And I know that you plan to play. Um, but do you feel safe? Like, how are you feeling in 2020? The bubble, it's a very unique season. It's your rookie year. Like, how are you kind of handling all of it? It's definitely different. And um, it's a tough situation for all the rookies that are having to play in their first WNBA season like this. Um, but, I mean, I, I mean, I feel safe. Um, I think in a situation like this, it's hard to keep everything out of the bubble. So there may be a few cases here and there where um, someone gets sick. But for the most part, I think um, it's a good situation for us because a lot of people want to play. Um, people want to see sports back, and they're giving us this opportunity, and we have to make the most of it. But, Lauren, you made a good point. It is a unique situation, and we're doing the best we can. So then I would like to ask you, 
what has been a silver lining in all of this, right? Like we heard some analysts say that potentially rookies have a chance to continue to work out apart from their teams. But if you had to find something positive in the midst of a year of a bunch of uncertainty as you make this next step, is there anything? So for me, it's, it doesn't have anything to do with basketball. Uh, for me, it's getting to spend time with my family. Um, I have three younger sisters, and I'm all really close with all of them. So being home during this time and getting to spend this good quality time with them, it's been really good for us because we I was home at Christmas um, last year, and all of us were home at the same time, which is rare. And we were all sitting at the dinner table, and my dad was like, you know, this may be the last time we all get to sit down together because I thought I was going to be going to whatever city I had to go to for the WNBA and going overseas after. Um, so we just didn't know. And then we get all this time together, and now we're kind of getting sick of each other and <laughs> wanting to get away. I was just about to say, tell the truth, because I have <laughs> that you have – Three sisters. So as much as it is roses and quality time, I just sisters. It just comes with a little bit of uh, bumping heads, shall we call it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, we have a little love-hate relationship. So <laughs> we do have our fights. But at the end of the day, we're all really close and all love each other. So, Lauren, as a rookie, stepping into the WNBA, you're used to – playing at Baylor, and I know when I went to the games, the games were majority packed. There's no fans in the wobble. What is your opinion on that? Will that will that affect you at all? That's going to be really interesting. Um, honestly, I don't know what to expect. Um, I think they're going to try to do the best that they can to uh, make the most of the situation, but it's definitely going to be weird. You know, it's, it's going to be kind of like a close scrimmage. Um, <laughs> So we get, we're going to have to create our own energy. I feel like if so, anybody has their own energy, though, like the W teams can do it. Like that, you I'm saying? Like y'all got personality. Like it's going to be, we're going to make it as lit as possible. I firmly believe that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think it's going to be a lot of fun and we're going to make the most of it. So the Fever did a social injustice video and you were at the very end of it. How does that, with everything going on in the world right now, how important was that for uh, team unity? I think it was really important. Um, we had talked about it a little bit and just trying to come up with things that we can do, um, not just our organization. You know, it, it needed to come from us. And, you know, we all put together some videos. Um, we had someone edit it put it all together. So, I think that was really important just to show that we were all unified together um, for a greater cause. It's a big deal. Yeah. It's it's really, it's a really big deal. And I, I mean, I commend you guys. I commend the W. Um, as we've talked about activism and athletes, I think a lot of people forget that the WNBA, and you were still in college at this point, but and you might have actually still been in high school, Lauren, but the WNBA really was kind of the first league that whose players really put it out there. You know what I mean? Like, I, um, I think in 2016, so maybe Colin has started kneeling. Um, but I just remember that summer, the Philando Castile deal in the Minnesota Lynx. Like, it was the first time you saw professional athletes 
um, use their platform in that way. But I, I'm just super proud as a fan of the dialogues. And that really wasn't a question. That was kind of just a statement. So yay you for being part of the WNBA and the dialogue. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I think as a league, like, we're all on different teams, but we're all unified. We're all one, and we all want the same thing, you know. Um, so I think that's really important as a league as a whole. No, that, that, that is really important. Um, so I was scrolling down Instagram the other day, and you know, there's there's been a big debate about the NBA as far as what they put on the back of their jerseys. And I was scrolling down Instagram the other day and, and saw uh, Brianna Taylor on the back of a WNBA player's jersey. Um, inform me, like I said, I'm not I'm not super informed on the on a women's game. That's why we got Monica here. I'm more informed on the men's game. What is it? What is the WNBA allowing you guys to do as far as putting social uh, justice or any type of names on the back of your jerseys? Please, please, please inform me and the viewers. So I think we all came together and decided on just that one name. Um, just like I said, to stay unified, to stay as one. And um, it was really important. Um, a lot of different players brought it up and I mean, we made it happen and um, we're happy to wear her name on the back of our jersey. The campaign king is called Say Her Name. Mm -hmm. um, and it's mm -hmm. the whole WNBA effort. Obviously, Breonna Taylor is the woman whose name comes to mind when we think of 2020 and what has presented us. But there have been yeah. other women who have been victims of police brutality. And for whatever reason, in the narrative, um, women seem to get lost. And so it's amazing to me. Again, I just can't commend the leaders of the W enough, whether you talk about um, NECA and what she's doing with the Players Union. And then the, I believe there's a council that they've now put together um, that will be lending their voice and figuring out ways that the W can partner to move social justice causes forward. I just, I think it's great. I know I was one who was reticent about sports coming back because I felt like the messaging would be lost just by nature of sports are back. We're now paying attention to the games and how many blocks Lauren got and how many minutes guys are playing and so on and so forth. But I think I have been impressed and very pleased with and inspired with the intentionality that athletes in the wobble and in the bubble are moving with. I mean, I think about the other day in Tobias Harris, his entire press conference was we need to get the cops who killed Breonna Taylor, they need to be held accountable. Like, that's all he said. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think athletes are doing a great job of putting pressure on. And this, to me, is a mm -hmm. tremendous reminder that while you guys are fantastic at bouncing a ball, shooting shots, blocking shots, like, you're people that live in this society as well. And as a society, we need to be doing better. So I just, I love it. Yeah, I think that was the main thing um, going into the bubble. You know, players, our executive committee, our player reps, they were really on the league, like, what are we going to be able to do from inside the bubble for social injustices? You know, what what are we going to be able to do? And that was big for them. They wanted to have different options, different things that they could do, um, like putting um, the name on the jersey. Lauren, and I, okay, so I'm going to go there because this is this pod and King is your friend and I, I think that you're eloquent and smart and you can handle it. Um, you are an athlete, Lauren, but you're also a white woman, right? And you grew, grew up in Texas. Baylor is a Christian university in Texas. I had a handful of friends reach out to me through all of this and kind of say, 
you know, how can we be allies? How can we actually move this forward? Um, in what way has this whole thing kind of been eye-opening for you? If, if, or has it? Or have you been one of those folks that's always been very keenly aware of the differences in our country in terms of experiences of Black folks and white folks? Um, I've, I've kind of always been aware of it. Um, my boyfriend is Black, so I mm-hmm. I know some of the things that he goes through. And, um, you know, I when all of this started coming out, I mean, I feared for his life at times. And... Um, that's hard and um because of that i i get hate messages on like social media all the time um just because of that and um that's really hard to see because i mean i was raised to not see the color of your skin i was raised to treat everyone equally um no matter where they grew up no matter where they came from whatever it was that's just how i was raised and um that's how i'm going to raise my kids one day hmm Wow, that's wow. Thanks for sharing that, Lauren. Wow. Yeah, I mean, not to lighten up the mood a little bit, but <laughs> yes. I, I, I've been waiting. I've been waiting. <laughs> I've been waiting to ask this question. And I really want to know the truthful answer. How hard, or was it hard at all? To was it to play for Kim Mulkey? <laughs> um, I would say it was hard at times, um, but wasn't at other times, you know, she is one of the greatest coaches ever, um, one of the greatest players ever, and uh, to play for her, it was it was amazing, you know, she was one of the reasons I wanted to come to Baylor, because she's a competitor, she wins games, and she hates to lose, and I think we're really similar in that way, um, and the few games that we did lose over my career, um, she was not happy about it, so that was the hard times when it was uh, to play for her because she, you know, she got on us and she knew how each player operated. She knew how to get under your skin and she did that when she needed to. <laughs> how many games did you lose, Lauren? I feel like you could yeah, count the, on the few games, the, the few games they did lose. <laughs> um, okay, let's see. Freshman year, we lost three. Sophomore year, uh, I think we lost two. Junior year, we lost one, so it's six. And then senior year, we lost two, so I think eight games total. That is not bad. <laughs> eight games in four years? Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. I probably lost like 30, probably more than that. <laughs> not gonna, yeah. I don't want to play that game. <laughs> <laughs> so, is Baylor, because you know, for a long time, when you think of women's college basketball, you think of UConn being the premier dynasty of mm-hmm. everything. And the past few years, they really haven't been the same UConn team. Is Baylor taking the place? Um, I don't know. You know, I guess we'll see this season. Um, I think that the game is changing a lot, you know. Um, it's not just UConn, 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 UConn. Every single year, different teams are winning. Um, different teams are surprising some people. So I think Baylor, again, is going to have a really good team this year, and I'm excited to see what they can do. Love that, love that. Well, Lauren, I am excited for you, the entire class of 2020. Sabrina, Satu, yourself, coming in at third in the 2020 draft class. 
Um, I really can't wait to see you and Tierra McCowan mix it up. I think it could be, uh, it could remind us of you and Kalani, although Tierra's yeah. game is a little bit different than Kalani's. But you, the Twin Towers thing, you obviously know how to excel <laughs> in that system already. So I'm excited <laughs> to see you get there. Um, before we let you go, the pod is called Buckets, Boards, and Blocks. So for you, someone who we know is prolific in blocks, we're just curious of those three things. What is your favorite? Getting buckets, crashing boards, or sending those blocks? <laughs> I would have to say getting blocks. You know, there's nothing like that, especially when you send one into the crowd, because that just gets the crowd hype, gets your team hype, and uh, it's a lot of fun. So on that note, is it better to block a shot in front of your home crowd or on the road and silence the opposing crowd? Ooh, mm. that one's tough. Um, <laughs> I'm going to have to say at home, you know, we had some of the best fans in the country, so they got really loud for us mm. and showed up every night. So I, you know, always like to get a block for them. Um, okay. Well, Lauren, we're going to let you get out of here. You got a season approaching soon. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your honesty too. I think, I mean, you really gave us some thoughtful answers. Yeah. Um, and we're excited to see you make it happen at IMG with the squad. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate y'all. I yeah, appreciate you, Lauren. That was dope. Everyone, new segment on Buckets, Boys, and Blocks entitled Who's Tripping? And this week, who's tripping in the media? Kanye West, Yeezy. Man, oh man, Monica, I know you have, <laughs> I know you've seen everything from the the rally to the tweets. Um, I'll let you take the first stab at this um, before I jump into this. Um, you guys can't see my face, but I definitely have all the memeable reactions because <laughs> this is just bad news bears. So... I will say that I think there's a powerful cautionary tale in this. Yeezy obviously has a fat deal with Adidas. Just announced the deal with The Gap. Mm -hmm. To my knowledge, money is not an issue. Fame, quality of life, all those things that us average Joes think we desire don't seem to be keeping Yeezy happy and mentally healthy. I was up, what, Monday night when he went off on the Twitter rant? And honestly, it was just like, this sounds like someone who is having some sort of break. Of course, add that to his breakdown rant, whatever you want to call it, at his rally in South Carolina. It's really sad, King. Like, I love, like, Jesus Walks and, like, uh, graduation and like Kanye when he first hit the scene and I remember Denzel Washington saying that he was his favorite up and coming new artist because of the rawness that he brought to the table and we're here I mean mental illness does not discriminate um, and I honestly hope that Kanye gets the help that he needs I, I fully agree I think that one thing that everybody should take from this is that mental mental health is a real thing like you said, it doesn't discriminate. You know, Kanye West has all this money, all this fame. You know, it's actually kind of ironic because I was at the gym the other day talking to Corey Coleman, the wide receiver for the for the for the Giants, and he said the same thing. We weren't even talking about Kanye. He's talking about other NFL athletes and how 
You know, you think that just because you drive a Rolls Royce or because you drive a Bentley to every practice or because you're making a million dollars and you can drive a private jet, you think that all your worries go away. He said, that's wrong. He said, your problems start even more once you get that stuff and they're bigger and they're on a whole nother level. So I think it's a real thing. I mean, Kanye West, it's it's sad because like like you said, go from graduation. Jesus, I was listening to graduation, college dropout. Oh. 808s of Heartbeats was 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 crazy, was fire. I, I actually might even put Kanye West in my top 10 all-time rappers. And from him to go from that to this, to try to run for president, and not only do you try to run for president, but in your rally, the things that you say in the rally, as, as far as Harriet Tubman, like, like that's, that's a subject that you, with the time, everything's going on, it, it's very insensitive for you to even say anything. First off, it's not even just insensitive, but I don't even think that's correct. I don't even think what you what he was saying, because he implied that Harriet Tubman got the slaves and was just giving them to slave owners. No, Harriet Tubman was trying to free us. So just with the times, and that, that just wasn't the place for it. And I, I feel for him. I, I really feel for Kanye. So I think, and your point, I know, like I'm talking to my boo about it, and he was like, mental illness doesn't excuse you from being misogynistic and anti-Semitic, right? Mm-hmm. So I think we're at this really interesting crossroad with this because while, yes, this man may not be entirely in his right mind, some of the things he says, it's just tough to blame that on mental illness because this is someone yeah. who, we, and who we've watched grow up, right? Like, um, I, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. Like, I'm disappointed in the attempt to run for presidency this year. We don't have time to split votes. Like, the, we people need to be about their business. Um, I, it's it's befuddling. I will say, and we I think we both agree on this, like, forcing the conversation about mental health, particularly in the Black community, to the forefront is a good thing. Because, you know, we famous for pray it away, like, go be yeah. great. And I'm not saying that prayer and gratitude don't help. But if you need to go see a professional and you need to take advantage of some medicine, like, you need to do what you got to do. You got to do it. No, most definitely. That's not something, that's not anything to be ashamed of. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of guys, especially a lot of males, um, like, even in college, we had a therapist who who was accessible to us at any time. And a lot of guys viewed as, like, you know, going into the therapist as being weak. That's not a sign of being weak. That's actually a sign of strength. You know, going to talk your feelings out, talk your problems out, and going to get help, seek help, because that's that's the first step to recovery is admitting that you have an issue or admitting that something's wrong. So if you can acknowledge that and be aware of that, it makes you more of a man. Because at the end of the day, you're going to get better. You're going to be better than you were before, and and life's all about growth. So I think Kanye West definitely needs to um, go see somebody. Get some help. Um, one thing I will say is Kim Kardashian, the way she was riding for him yeah, the, <laughs> with the post that she made on Instagram, I will say. I, did you see that? I did see it. I'm, I'm waiting for what you're going to say. <laughs> she, the way she defended him, look, my wife, I hope my wife defends me the way that she would defend Kanye. Because if I came out and said something like that, she wrote for Kanye in the post. You can't even lie about that. Did she not ride for Kanye in that post? Yes. However. Uh-oh. 
and this is listen, this is just food for thought. I cannot critique another person's struggle, you know, what I'm saying? Yeah. personal struggle with mental illness or dealing with their spouse. I don't I, I'm struggling with the time, I guess, a little bit. And part yeah. of this is the same thing when like people got mad at Kyrie for saying let's not go play basketball. Kyrie has said a bunch of other stuff before and so people couldn't hear the message, right? Mm-hmm. I do think Kim said the right things in terms of standing by her husband. But because their livelihood and their business is literally made out of reality TV, mm-hmm. um, I just struggle because I wonder if this could have been checked differently a long time ago. You know what I mean? But you ignored it, ignored the signs because it was still beneficial. So you know what I mean? Like I just, yeah. and I could be totally wrong and off base. Somebody could check me that studies this stuff and works in this field. But I'm just from someone who has watched both Kim and Kanye grow up, and how their the business of the two of them was also an attractive part of them uniting. I wonder if she could have stepped in sooner. You know what I mean? Like I feel like we're at a breaking point. And if I'm if I'm intimate with someone and have four kids by them by now, like I've seen this. I've seen the lead up. Not saying that there's a right or wrong answer. Again, I do want to offer them all compassionate compassion, but. I just like I feel like we're at the big breaking point now, and perhaps there could have been more work done previously. Hmm. Unpopular opinion: Sorry. Do you think that Kanye West is doing this just for, I guess, publicity? Because here's my thing. Here's my here's my thing. I think if you have that much money, and you already know that you have a, a mental health problem. I feel like by now you should have, t- like you said, you should have taken care of that. Like that should have been taken care of a long time ago. You worth a billion dollars. You can take care of that. So do you think that he's just doing this now just to be relevant and just to, just to, you know, do what we're doing right now, have people talk about him? I don't. I think Kanye needs some real help. And I think really? to the point about money, when you are having mental challenges, like, mm-hmm. I just don't think you're thinking straight at all. I think, especially for someone like Kanye, who is a who is a creative, right? Who is an artist. Like my mom says yeah. all the time, like artists and creative people are some of the most tortured souls, right? Like for him, figuring out what that line was, crossing into insanity versus his creative genius. Like mm-hmm. I don't think any of this is faking. I don't know who he kept close to the vest in terms of his counsel to get to this point, but I really feel like something is is really wrong. Well, there we have it. Kanye West is who is tripping. In okay, this week. I did. I had a much lighter who's tripping. My oh, okay, <laughs> or persons or league for that matter that's tripping. I just you know I love the NBA bubble, but they're killing me with this bench setup. So you gonna tell me <laughs> that we got this whole bubble where everybody has tested negative for the virus? I'm gonna let y'all go on this box that's ninety. 90- 90 feet long, go play basketball. But when you finish playing basketball, come sit three feet apart from each other on the bench. Like, <laughs> the bench together. Y'all getting on my nerves. <laughs> like they don't implement tests every single day. What are we doing? And everybody tested negative. Why are we sitting six feet or well, three feet apart on the bench? All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing. Okay, people. It's time to wrap this up. Thanks to our producer, Bruce Bernstein, and to our editor, Ben Wolfen. 
please check out the other Pure Hoops media shows. This week, the Mike Wise Show features six Hall of Famers with classic stories from their careers. That is a lot of Hall of Famers. That's a lot of great basketball conversation. Tune into that. Full Court Press with Fanta and Adams as Seton Hall men's coach, Kevin Willard. Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Otto Strong and Aaron Berlin is back with Micah Adams of DAZN with his thoughts on the upcoming NBA season. BJ Armstrong is back with Eric Newman on the Pure Hoops podcast, which drops every Friday. And Monica and myself are back next Thursday with a brand new edition of Buckets, Boards, and Blocks from Pure Hoops Media. The way DAZN is spelled trips me out. But anyway... <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, uh, as you may have noticed, as 40 states are seeing increasing numbers of COVID cases, we are not done with this pandemic. Um, even though play is about to begin, we need all of the medical professionals and essential workers to stay in our thoughts and at the top of our prayer list. They're putting it all on the line for those of us, for all of us, excuse me, and they are truly today's superheroes. Continue to maintain social distancing. Try to be like the players on the NBA bench. Be separate. <laughs> Wash your hands. Wear your mask to protect yourself and others. Don't be that person. Wear your mask. Keep working on the social justice causes with our fellow citizens of all races, religions, and creeds who are striving for a more inclusive society. If you like buckets, boards, and blocks, please subscribe. It's free. Listen. And of course, you know what I'm saying? Like, just give us the assist with that five-star rating. It would really mean a lot to us. Until we meet again... For my co-host, King McClure, we'll see you next week. Uh, and, of course, W Play is going to start on Saturday. So, you've got a place where you can find them. You're probably also watching NBA Scrimmage Ball. But until we meet again, enjoy your hoops. Buckets, Boards and Blocks with Monica McNutt and King McClure is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.